Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Newfeld. Today, I'm joined by my partner, Jordan Arndt, and we are going to be talking about charitable giving, a basic overview, but also some more specific strategies to help maximize the value of your charitable gifts. So for those of you listening, my colleague over on the other side of the desk here is Jordan Arndt. And Jordan, you are a financial advisor here at our office, but you also have a unique designation, the Master Financial Advisor in Philanthropy. So today, you're going to show your stuff. We're going to talk about charitable giving in a bit more of a granular way and look at some ways that folks can increase the value of their financial giving through a variety of different means and methods. If you've never made a charitable donation before, please listen to this podcast. You might uh, learn a lot of things new. And if you have made a charitable gift before, I can guarantee that this would be valuable for you so you can understand some of the other ways that charitable giving can work to your advantage and to the charity's advantage long-term. So anyways, Jordan, we're going to let you carry the ball here through this episode, but thanks so much for joining me on this. Yeah, excited to be here. This is a, it's a fun topic. It's something I love talking about. And yeah, it's exciting to think about how we can take our charitable dollars and, and maybe even find ways to make them go a little bit further. So I'm excited to dig into this here. Wonderful. Okay, let's set the stage a little bit for the charitable giving conversation. Talk to me a little bit about what that is in Canada here. Yeah, charitable giving, it's, it's actually a large sector that maybe people don't even realize. So we'll just throw a couple numbers at you here. But 8% of Canadian GDP comes from the charitable and nonprofit sector. It employs about 2 million Canadians and over 13 million Canadians volunteer. So quite a few people, you probably know someone volunteering or, or involved. There's over 80,000 registered charities in Canada. So lots of them, really the majority are are small and, and local and, and close to home. But of course, there's some larger ones that we've we've all heard of. So when you look around, you think, you know, you might see material from Red Cross and things Food like that. Food Bank. Food Bank, like the really obvious ones. But there's also a lot of charities that are close to the things that you know and love too, like animal shelters and things for really specific uh, health concerns, but also supporting people in various situations and single mothers and people with addiction and all, all sorts of other things that might be highly relatable to your circumstance or someone that you know and love. Absolutely. And even even large organizations like the Food Bank, for example, they will have a local chapter in your community, city, town. So there, there will be quite a, a local presence and impact by these charities. Awesome. So the, the general idea here is that we understand that giving money away to organizations that we believe in that's generally for the greater good and you know that's that's a, a non-selfish endeavor but on maybe selfish is a, is a bad way to do it here but the government also understands that there is some value in people making those donations themselves and so as a result they provide a tax credit for that can you give me a basic overview i know every province is slightly different so we can't really do too specific but yeah we won't go into necessarily uh, exact numbers here but yeah the, the canadian government has set up um quite generous incentives, I guess, to to give specifically to registered charities. So that's one thing that's key there that has to be give, given to a registered charity. It can't be non-registered. It can't be something like GoFundMe, a crowdfunding sites like that. Those don't count or, or won't be eligible for a credit. It might be good to do, but you won't get the credit. For Correct. It. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, that's a different conversation of if it's, you know, still supports what you want to support for sure, but, but just be aware that it will not generate a tax credit. 
But yeah, like you said, there's a there's two components to the tax credit. It's provincial and federal, vary depending on what what province you live in. They're non-refundable tax credits, so basically they will reduce the taxes that you owe at the end of the year, assuming there are taxes there to reduce in, in the first place. There's also limits on how much of the income you can um, claim, I guess, or the tech credit can be claimed against. So it's limited to 75% of income while you're alive and the year of your death, it, it, that increases to 100% of your income. I think we'll get into that one a little bit more too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you're wanting a little bit more information about more tax credits and deductions, things like that, you can go back and listen to my episode with Luke Hergott in that regard. We just recorded that earlier this year. But okay, so this episode beyond that, let's kind of get beyond just the specifics of giving away money can actually give you a tax break. What are some of the things that you're looking for on your end for things that are maybe lesser known to people? Yeah. So, you know, most people uh, or a common way to give is, is cash. So either, you, you know, you give your credit card number, that's just a cash donation, or perhaps you, you're asked to give also typically just a cash donation. But there are actually a couple of alternatives, relatively common uh, and alternatives that can be applied to, to lots of people that actually allow us to make our charitable dollars go a little bit further. We'll get into those right here, but those can include donating parts of your investment portfolio. We'll refer to those as securities, using donor-advised funds, which is like a private foundation, and even maybe life insurance, which you know lots of you will have or, or something that you've thought about. But we'll get into those specifics here right away. Before we go too far here, I just want to stop to and pause just a little bit and, and just say that you know, we're going to talk about tax credits here and economic benefits and, and kind of some, some hard values and numbers and, and, and some of those reasons why these alternatives perhaps have benefits. But charitable giving is a very soft subject, I guess, for lack of a better word. You're going to have your reasons why, why you might give. Perhaps it's your family values and the way you were raised. Perhaps it's compassion for others. Perhaps it's your personal belief in a cause or you're personally affected by whatever the charity supports or someone close to you is affected. Tax credits, of course, is a, is a valid reason to give. Perhaps it's religious affiliations and there's yeah affiliations there that, that make you want to give. And so everyone's going to have different reasons there and that's not something we can answer for you. You know, that's, that's something you'll have to, to figure out. But I, I just want to make sure we touch on that and not make charitable giving too much of a nuts and bolts numbers thing because the impact that the local charity has is is beautiful and and huge and it, and it create a lot of a lot of good in your community and so i want to make sure we at least touch on that it's 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 more than tax credits that's exactly for sure. yeah exactly and and even going back to the tax credit side of things you have to want to give for more than just the reason of getting a tax credit because you'll never get all of your money back. It's not right? free. Isn't it? Yeah, there's no free. You always have to be out of pocket something here. That's right. So there is a little bit of a tax benefit, of course, but the point of charitable giving is that you want your money to do something beyond make the pile bigger. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into some of the common alternatives. You mentioned donations of securities, and we see that a little bit in our world here as advisors and planners. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So in this case, this would be donating securities in kind. So let's break that down a little bit. The securities themselves have to be publicly listed. So Stocks, the, bonds, mutual funds, that's ETFs. Right. These yeah. could be your shares of RBC or Apple, individual stock holdings. It also could be your mutual fund units that perhaps you have with your advisor or that you own individually. The second part of that is they have to be transferred in kind. And this is really important. You can't cash it out and then donate the cash proceeds to charity. that's just donating cash that's at back that point. to donating cash. Right. In kind 
means direct transfer. So the charity that you know might have a brokerage that they can accept donations of securities and kind like that, or there's intermediaries that can facilitate that transaction for a relatively small fee. Yeah, you can do a Google search for that one just to find an intermediary. There's a few that are quite common and will show up at the top of that Google search, but donating securities in kind, most of them will be able to facilitate transfers to smaller charities that don't necessarily have brokerages or anything like that. But if you're looking at, say, the Red Cross or those internationally recognized charities, they would often have a direct means of doing that as well. So gift in kind there essentially means if you have 10 shares of, let's call it TD, you give them your 10 shares of TD and then they sell it on their end. So you're not selling it first, writing a check. This is a process that transfers it directly to the charity. That's right. And so just using the TD example, let's say those 10 shares are worth $100. Of course, there'll be some small fees. We'll, we'll not necessarily consider that here. But if you donate those 10 shares, the charity will receive those hundred that $100. There's no other discounting, I guess, of, of what they receive there. Okay. So why do we want to do it? Why do we care? Yeah. Why, why is this better than <laughs> donating cash? Yeah, uh, exactly. So this is, this is really applicable. If you have securities in a non-registered account, so this is not your TFSA, not your RSP or, or registered plans. And there is a capital gain there, or in essence, if your securities have appreciated in value, you bought them for one thing and they're now worth more than that. Well, there's tax that you owe there on that. At some point, those securities will need to be redeemed with us during your life or, or upon your death. And at that time, there will be capital gains tax that is owing. When we donate the securities directly in kind, again, that's that's very important, there's no inclusion of the capital gain. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we call that 0% inclusion of, of capital gain. So essentially, rather than having securities that you need to sell, pay tax, and then donate cash with a net remainder amount, you get to donate the full value of the security. The capital gain is not included and your receipt, your tax credit receipt is for the full amount. So it's kind of a double win. The, the charity probably gets a little bit more, assuming this is where you're funding your, your donations from. And your receipt is for a little bit more because you haven't had to first pay the tax on that. Right. So your tax bill is just significantly less. Well, I'm going to call it zero. Your, your tax bill <laughs> on that on donation is zero. Is zero. Well, actually, it's, it's going to be net positive because you get the credit for the full amount. Too. That's right. So now your receipt is for the higher amount, which then you can use to offset income from other sources. Wow. Okay. So this is really, really significant for people who have been investing for a long time. I'm going to say specifically for people that were investing long before TFSAs existed, because at that time, generally the only places you could really invest were RSPs and then a non-registered account. So if you maxed out your RSP or it didn't make sense to use an RSP, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have non-registered investments. As a result, TFSAs have been around for quite a while here, 2009. And so people who had non-registered investments before that, they've probably appreciated in value like crazy. We see it all the time. Absolutely. Right? And so as someone gets older and we're trying to rebalance their portfolios, they probably have really concentrated amounts of equities. These are stocks or stock mutual funds that have appreciated in value and there'd be significant capital gains tax to pay to rebalance those accounts. So in this case, we could donate some of those mutual funds, ETFs, stocks directly and we just get rid of the tax problem entirely. Absolutely. Yep. That's really well summarized. Crazy. Yeah. It's really interesting. 
one thing that's also interesting, and this is going to apply to to less probably of those of you that are listening here, but if you have a corporation and you have money invested in a corporation, again, in a non-registered account with appreciated security, some of that same criteria, if you make the donation from there, in addition to all the benefits that we've already talked about, the donation also credits the capital dividend account or CDA Again, not to get too technical with this, but let's get technical. Let's do it. (laughs) Essentially, that allows you to pay out a tax-free dividend to the shareholders. So there's a really a third benefit that comes if this donation mechanism arises from within a corporation. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different mechanism because within the corporation you get a deduction instead of the credit. That's right. But at the end of the day, it's not too too different necessarily. But then, when the donation is made. The CDA credit benefits the individual shareholder at the end of the day, too. So there is a tax benefit to the company, but also a benefit to the shareholder as well. Absolutely. And the amount that credits the CDA, I guess, is the it's the portion of the non-taxable portion of the capital gain. Now, like we talked about, by donating securities in kind wipes out the taxable portion of the capital gain. So actually the amount credited the CDA again is, is even more. It's a little bit hard to maybe get your head around. But I guess just understand that there is some significant benefits to corporation or not. There's some significant tax benefits to, to implementing this strategy. And with a corporation, if you have the opportunity to do this as well, there's that third significant benefit that allow you to pay tax-free dividends to your shareholders. Okay. So for people thinking of doing this, if you have a non-registered, sometimes it's called an open or even a cash account. If you have investments in a non-registered open cash account, then take a look and see what your capital gain situation is. If you have a meaningful gain there, this might be a good option for you. If you work with an accountant, a financial planner, please talk to them before initiating large gifts of securities. These things can get a little bit complicated. So people who are the professionals in your life that know your situation, please reach out to them first before doing this, of course. Okay. So that one's Great. We've got other ones to talk about here, so yeah. let's let's keep her going. Uh, a donor advised fund. You mentioned that one is kind of like a private foundation. What is what is that about? Yeah. So this this one's really interesting. So this is like a private foundation in the sense that you can put money into this fund and then distribute it over time. However, it's handled by someone else. Someone deals with the government. Someone else deals with the administration. So really, it's like that private foundation, but without any of the work. Plus, depending on if privacy is a concern for you, the donor advised fund is is anonymous, where if you have a private foundation, your information is publicly available. Really, to set up the donor advised fund, you simply set it up, make a donation. It can be cash. It can also be securities in kind, oh, which is uh, very interesting. Here, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you distribute those assets over time. So let's just simple example. Let's say you put $1,000 into a donor advised fund. There is a minimum that you have to grant out to charity every year. The money that's left in the fund can be invested, so it can continue to grow over time. With that minimum amount, then that needs to be continued to to be distributed out. You can either do those distributions or grants anonymously, but you can also give it a name. So you could call it the Smith Family Charitable Account or something where if you want there to be your name tied to it or a bit of a legacy, you you have the ability to absolutely absolutely do that. Okay, so this one is kind of cool. So the value of a foundation is essentially the uh, the idea that you want to have a pool of money that just exists to grow and give more money away over time. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Once you make the donation to this donor advice fund, think of it like a foundation, it's no longer yours. You can't say 
ah, I'd like to take it, take it back out. Yeah. You're really the only control you have over it at that point is where you distribute the assets to or how you make the grants to charity. Right. So a foundation is really expensive. Like people might want to have their own foundation. You need to have a separate corporate entity. You need to have a board of directors. You have to be, have the capacity to issue receipts and filings. It's and a lot. It, it's a bit of a mess. So if you're donating less than a million bucks. I've it, heard even higher as a rule of thumb, almost yeah. closer to like 5 million is really? where maybe it can kind of make sense. Okay. But it, it, the basic principle is it's not going to apply to right. most of us. <laughs> yeah. So donor advised funds can be a way to have very, very similar benefits for much lower cost. Mm-hmm. So again, the idea that think of it like a charitable giving engine. So if you're okay with your charity not receiving, say you want to do a a $50,000 gift, for example, if you're okay with them not receiving that 50,000 this year, but every year they get 2000 bucks every year in perpetuity, whatever the case may be, that might be a really good option. So if you have a charity that's near and dear to your heart that you'd like to give to for as long as possible, and let your investment dollars work for the charity and not just for you, a donor advice fund is pretty cool. I see two other cool kind of applications for this. One is if you want to create kind of a legacy of, of giving within your family. So annually, it depends how you set it up, but you can set it up where annually, hey, contact me and, and ask where I would like to distribute how much and where I would like this year's grant to go. So you can start to incorporate your family into that if that's important to you or start to have conversations around legacy and, and what do we want our dollars like you were mentioning? What do we want this to mean and, and work for which charities as opposed to just myself? You can also name, a, I think it's a successor basically, or the person who continues on to do the grant naming if you were to pass. And so it, it's not something that if you were to pass, it's gone and has to be distributed right away. It, it can continue on beyond your life. So that's one I think really cool aspect is you start to think about transferring wealth or you start to think about how do I involve my family into these bigger conversations and and what's important. A donor advised fund could be a cool way to do that. The other time that this could be really applicable is let's say you have a large liquidity event or something in in a year where you're going to come into a lot of taxable income. Perhaps you sell your business. That's kind of like the, the big one that really comes to mind. Or you have a large capital gain. Maybe you shifted portfolios and you had a large non-registered portfolio. Sold a cabin. Sold a cabin. It's yeah. Not a primary residence. Exactly. So you have a large taxable position in a certain year. You want to give money to charity, but you maybe don't, you know, using 50,000, it could be very well, could be more than 50,000. could be hundreds of thousands of Absolutely. dollars. Maybe you don't want that all to go to charity in this year. You know, you're, you're attracted to some of the features that we're talking about here with the donor advised fund. Well, this would be a great way. We make the donation to the donor advised fund and we receive the full tax credit now or in this tax year. And so we can use that donation to offset the tax problem, the large tax problem that you have today and then distribute to charity over time, like basically however however long you really, really want to after that, and depending on investment growth and, you know, a number of factors. But anyways, the, the point is donation today, tax credit in this year, assets then distributed over time. Really cool. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's really yeah. cool. Awesome strategy. And so this is much more acceptable to, uh, to people. That being said, you can't do it generally for 500 bucks or anything like that. There are some minimums that you have to do, but it's all determined based on the provider who's facilitating your donor advice fund. So there are investment firms, some of the bank brokerages, but also your local community foundation. So here we have the Saskatoon Community Foundation. Most major cities would have a community foundation that would have access to do this for you. Talk to your advisor, 
talk to your community foundation, see if this is an option for you. Again, throw it in Google there, donor advised fund, Toronto, you know, whatever, wherever you live. And uh, there's going to be options available for you there. Absolutely. Okay. Next one, life insurance. Life insurance. Okay, so this is another interesting one. But I don't get a tax credit if I'm dead. You don't, yes. Or do I? Well, maybe. It, okay, it, it okay. depends. This one's this one's a little bit different. There's there's kind of two common ways. Either you have an existing insurance policy that you have on your life that you no longer need anymore moving forward. The second way is you want to purchase a new uh, life insurance policy and donate to charity. The tax benefits with life insurance are, are a little bit different. It really depends on what you're doing. If you're donating existing policy, if you're purchasing a new one. The key point though, is this is really meant for using permanent insurance. When we're thinking about making a planned gift, we know at some point we are going to die, but we don't know when that's going to be. And so term insurance might not necessarily work, but but permanent obviously, obviously will. The real benefit here is that we can take smaller amounts of dollars today. So think about your premium that you're paying on your life insurance policy and we can turn that into a potentially quite or significantly large donation upon your death where the charity would receive the proceeds of the life insurance policy yeah so when we're talking about permanent insurance sometimes there's something called term to 100 sometimes you'll see universal life sometimes you hear whole life these are the types of things that we're talking about there but as far as the tax benefit timing there who owns the policy? What are some of the setups for how we can structure this appropriately? Yeah. So simply the charity, if you name the charity as the beneficiary. Which is relatively common. That'd be relatively easy as well. You know, right now the beneficiaries, maybe your spouse or your kids or your estate, the charity instead becomes the beneficiary. In that case, there's no tax benefits during your life. However, upon death, the death benefit will go to the charity. And then at that point, your estate really will receive the tax credit that they can use for some of your end of life tax problems or, or situation that I guess you need to consider at that time. Right. So in this case, you know, if you're planning with a spouse right now, if you had a joint last to die insurance policy, you could a charity as a partial beneficiary of your policy that would accomplish this right here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And there's a number of other ways that you can do it that way. But what about if the, you wanted to give your policy to a charity. Yeah. So yeah, in that case, you would, the charity would not only be the beneficiary, they would also be the owner of the policy. So you would actually transfer the policy to that charity. And this is where the tax benefits again are, it, it depends a little bit, but if there's existing value of that policy, maybe there's a cash value or something in there, you will receive the fair market value at that time of transfer. Or if you continue to pay the premium payments, you will receive tax credits for the, the premium payments that you, that you make. But you don't, the key thing here is you don't receive, when the charity gets that death benefit upon your death, you don't receive a tax credit at, at that time. That's really the big difference here. Right. Okay. If you're planning on doing life insurance, who do you start talking to here? Yeah, th- this <laughs> is, sounds a this little is bit a more big, complicated. Yeah, yeah, this is a big one. And, and most likely the dollars are also quite larger. Big. Yeah. Just with the fact that that's really the point of this is we'll take smaller dollars today and, and leverage that into a much larger donation in the future. You're going to want to think about this one, like certainly consult your advisors, consult your financial advisor, consult your insurance advisor, your accountant, your your lawyer. This is something that could be put into the will as well, just to make sure that all the I's are dotted and, and T's are crossed. The other thing is talk to your charity. If you're naming a charity, we want to make sure that they're here 
10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road or whenever this actually will end up happening. So you'll you'll want to bring the charity, I think, into this conversation sooner rather than later. So because there's a lot of planning that happens for charities in terms of fundraising and whatnot, talk to the fundraising professional there or the director of the charity or whomever facilitates that conversation. They would love to know and love mm-hmm. to know that you're thinking of them. So anyways, life insurance is one of those ways that you can really leverage your cash today and the things that you already own for a greater benefit and even a tax benefit for yourself later on in life. So maybe before I kind of caught myself here, you mentioned a tax in addition ability to use these tax credits upon death. So life insurance is obviously where that comes in. Right. So maybe upon death, maybe you have a large registered portfolio. RSPs. RSPs. Liras. That's right. Yeah. Maybe you have this a secondary residence yeah. where upon your death, there's no longer, there's no spousal rollovers or anything that you can take advantage. At some point, the, the tax man, I guess, comes to roost. The tax and man it, cometh. It, yes. It, we, you know, we can't kick the can forever down the road necessarily. And so again, perhaps your portfolio is large enough where there is significant assets there with with gains that will have a significant state liability really upon your death or, or upon the last death of maybe you and your spouse, for example. Again, everyone's situation needs to be looked at specifically, but using life insurance in that way where you generate the tax credit upon your death would be one way to offset a large tax bill or that your state needs to take care of. Okay. We've talked about life insurance, using a donor advised fund and donating securities in kind. These are some methods for giving. What are some less common ones? Maybe just run through the list here so people's interest can be piqued. Uh, Yeah. Let's just hit you with this quick. These ones aren't going to come up as often, but I guess know that you can do it. You can donate your registered assets. So your RSP, your RIF, your TFSA, even you can donate that to charity. Some small benefits here, it avoids probate potentially. It will pass quicker to charity as opposed to having to go through your estate. You still get the income. It's still attributed to the donor upon death, but then you receive the tax credit. So that's that's offset. Donating stock options. Perhaps you work for a publicly traded company and you receive stock options as part of your compensation. Those can be donated directly. Donating private shares of companies. I don't think this is going to come up very often, but it, it is a possibility. Donating real estate. Again, you could donate your cabin or land that you own somewhere or whatever real estate property that you have. And lastly, we'll just mention donating valuable property. So perhaps you have art or a valuable vintage car or something that has some significant value that can be donated. You'll need a appraisal and you'll have to figure out what the fair market value is of, of that at the time of donation. But it's it's an option. Yeah, even things like cultural property too. So yep. you know, like an indigenous artwork or something like that to a local museum that specializes in that or That's whatever right. the case may be. Right. Okay. So those are some of the hows you can give, but part of the charitable uh, strategy that if you're trying to make larger gifts or be more efficient with them. You want to think about when you want to give too, right? Yeah. The, the when is a, a large part of how do I navigate these? If, I, if if you're thinking about a planned gift or something that you want to be strategic with and less reactionary, when you want that to go go to charity and, and when you want the tax credit is a, is a big part of this. So do you want to see the benefits of the gift during your life or are you okay with that after your death? Do you need the tax credit during your life to offset income today? 
or you have a large estate liability that you want to help offset. Yeah. You think about life insurance, like we talked about, there can, depending how you do it, can generate benefits today, but it can also generate the tax credit at, at death. And of course, the, the dollar values that the charity receives will be larger at death. So you're not going to see the the impact, I guess, of those dollars during your life. So think about how much control you want over that and, and what you'd like to see both during your life and after. Okay. So when it comes to charitable giving, unless you're doing 2500 bucks, 200 bucks to UNICEF or whoever knocks on your door looking for a check around Christmas time, I think there's a ton of value in being proactive with your charitable giving strategy, but it's important to follow a process. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think having a process like you mentioned, what do you want to give? When do you want to give it? And then how do you want to give it, it is important to consider. Maybe these strategies, you know, sound cool, but it's like, ah, I don't have a use for this today. That's okay. I guess keep these kind of back pocket and thinking about for the future because 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, maybe you are in a position where, where these are something that you can utilize. So just know that I guess there are options out there and talk to your advisors about it, whoever those may be. I think just to, just to wrap it up, just like a good financial plan, we can take a strategic approach to, to giving and thinking about your entire life and your entire financial picture. I do want to emphasize this isn't to take the emotion out of it. Charity, again, there is an emotional aspect to it, but it helps us live out our values and make sure our dollars are working as hard as possible and, and being as efficient as, as they can when we're when we are donating. So, you know, consider, do you have a vision for your giving? What causes or charities are most important to you? What do you hope to achieve with your giving? Do you want to involve your family? There's a number of questions you can kind of ask and, and work through that. So, yeah, that's that's about all I have. Awesome. So if you work with a financial planner uh, that knows your situation and you're charitably inclined, think about how these options could benefit you and also, more importantly, the charities that you want to support. So Jordan, thanks so much for providing your expertise in this topic. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, I'll put your email address in the show notes here. That's perfect. And they can reach out to you for any clarification questions or anything like that. But thanks again to you who are listening today. We really appreciate it. If you have the time to follow uh, on the podcast player of your choice, that would be awesome. Or uh, if you find yourself on Apple, if you want to leave a rating or review, if you found this interesting, that'd be great. But uh, thanks again for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. Any rates of return or investments discussed are historical or hypothetical and are intended to be used for educational purposes only. You should always consult with your financial, legal, and tax advisors before making changes to your financial plan. Evan Neufeld is a certified financial planner and registered investment fund advisor. Mutual funds and ETFs are provided by Sterling Mutuals, Inc.